All right, all right. Another episode of the Borderlands podcast with your host, Denrock. I know it's been forever. Um, I just haven't been able to get people into the studio uh, due to time constraints, due to social distancing slash COVID concerns. Um, well, I'll do monologue tonight. Lots of talk, uh, lots to talk about. We're going to go all over the dartboard here. Um, hope you tune in. Hope you enjoy. Denrock here. I can't remember the date of the last podcast, but it's been several weeks, maybe months. Uh, there was an interval attempted podcast, but it was just content that I couldn't broadcast. Um, so it's been archived and yeah, maybe we could bring some snippets out of it at some point. Um, it's Christmas time. Actually recording this on December 25th, 2020. Uh, and what a year this has been, what a Christmas time this has been. My family personally, um, would normally have a huge gathering this time of year. Um, the Denning family likes to have the entire clan together, uh, at once. And that's probably, I don't know, around 40 people. Um, my brother, Ben, who has uh, in the last few years moved down uh, down south of our location here in West Virginia. He would most likely be here. However, due to the concerns of this current pandemic, um, we didn't have a mass gathering of the Dunning clan this year. Instead, um, my father hosted each of his children uh, and their families individually. I just happen to be the first. I don't know if it's because I'm the eldest son or I just, I told him I wanted to go first and I just wanted to go first just to get it over with. I didn't necessarily have any concerns about passing disease or pathogens or anything like that. Um, but, um, we had a great time with the limited people there. It was just wife and I, and, um, my two older children and uh, the baby twins, and we exchanged gifts, um, had a great meal, and just enjoyed some some good fellowship with um, with the small family there. Um, I've talked to my my siblings, my brothers, about it, about their experiences, and similar. They they said they enjoyed it, but we all certainly missed the huge gathering this year. Um. Now, conversely, my in-laws are a relatively small family, and um, we had planned on uh, all of the family gathering with them um, yesterday, in fact, last evening. However, um, this region of the country uh, experienced its first white Christmas in who knows how many years, and we... We saw this coming on the forecast, and uh, all of us decided not to um, not to get together last night 
uh, for fears that uh, the return trip to our homes would be perilous. Um, my parents-in-law live roughly one hour away from us. So it'd be one hour there, one hour back. And then, uh, my brother-in-law has uh, maybe somewhere near two hours each direction to drive. So, um, we just thought it best to, to postpone the gathering with the in-laws and we'll, we'll do that as we can in the upcoming day or so. Um, also I had hoped to have Christmas today with my older two children. Uh, however, my older son is a relatively new driver and, uh, neither his mother nor I wanted him to drive in, um, in this snowy condition. Um, we had the, the twins out today and boy, did they love it. We had, uh, I'm, I stuck the, the tape measure down in the snow and had just shy of six inches of snow outside. Um, really fluffy powder, something this region just doesn't see a lot of, you know, we, we've had some bitterly cold winters around here, but the snowfall I think has been completely lacking, which believe me, uh, that's fine with me. I would prefer not ever to have snowfall or icy conditions on the road. Um, but this year it happened, you know, around six inches at our location. Uh, the, the, the twins loved it. Um, however, I wouldn't want to be a driver out in it. And, you know, I'm going to stay put in this house for the next couple of days. So I'm not going to see what the conditions might have been like, uh, on, the uh, secondary and tertiary roads. I'm sure the primary roads, I-64, Route 60, for example, I'm sure all those are fine. But uh, coming to and from this house, to coming to and from the borderlands uh, is potentially perilous right now. Um, no, that's uh, actually, I meant to do this at the uh, onset of this podcast, but I'll consider this a segue to um, the uh advertisers that we have now um and i'm just going to do this off the cuff um the podcast is going to be brought to you henceforth by the borderlands family of companies the borderlands began as a concept uh devised by myself and chris reese borderlands being uh, a place that we would describe as off the beaten path, um, and also a region, uh, including the uh, confluence, if you will, of three different states, West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Uh, we here at the borderlands, and that's what I affectionately refer to my uh, property and domicile as, um, we appreciate our freedoms we appreciate our privacy. We appreciate our privacy. Wait, I think I just said that. We, we appreciate our property, our belongings, uh, our family and our loved ones above everything else. And the Borderlands is proud to bring you two uh, subsidiary branches, if you will. Uh, first being the Borderlands Brewing Collaborative. Uh, the Borderlands Brewing Collaborative brews great beer. We call ourselves a collaborative because uh, we uh, collaborate with a number of individuals 
to come up with uh, unique and inspired alcoholic or adult beverage um, recipes, brew them on site, package them on site, and share them with close friends and family. We are, in fact, an award-winning brewery. Uh, We have had, to my knowledge, three medals in our local um, uh, brewing competitions. And um, we just continue to develop a product. And I feel like every brew we do is new and unique and delicious. The uh, second branch of the Borderlands uh, family of companies is brand new this fall and winter season. Um, It's the Borderlands Woodworks. The Borderlands Woodworks strives to create unique uh, pieces of uh, furniture, kitchen utensils, shelving, uh, whatever we can uh, conceive, constructed of quality, uh, locally sourced hardwoods, and shaped and assembled, um, finished, whatever you want to call it, um, here locally. There's no outsourcing uh, at any point. Um, the uh, This company is in its infancy, or this branch is in its infancy. We've turned out um, just a couple of products so far. We have a huge line of uh, Christmas gifts rolling out the door um, a little bit late this year. But um, yeah, I, I plan for this, this branch to grow and develop and uh, Bring more products. Okay, so those are those are our sponsors, the Borderlands family of companies. Um, so where was I? I talked about uh, Christmas this year and and the travel constraints and the COVID and all that. Um, which leads me to one of my very one of my first topics of discussion that I I really intended to bring up uh, with a, a podcast is um, the COVID nineteen vaccine. And um, I'm going to talk about this just off the cuff. I don't have any source of information in front of me. Um, I don't have any. I'm not going to go to any websites. I'm not going to go to any social media uh, venues. I'm just going to talk about what I know about the current state of this vaccine technology. And I'm going to talk about my experience uh, with the vaccine I'm going to put some facts out there and I'm going to try to encourage people to get it. I, um, I want to lay this out there that vaccination for any pathogen I do believe is a personal choice. Um, I do not believe in, uh, forced vaccination. Although I do think that vaccination is a great idea to eradicate certain pathogens. Um, to rid ourselves of certain diseases and infections. Uh, but I do not believe in the, the mandatory vaccinations. Okay. Let me just put that out there. First of all, the, uh, as of today, December 25th, 2020, I am aware of two vaccines against 
COVID-19 or is that, or that is the SARS-2 COVID virus. Um, There's two, two vaccines on the market uh, that have been approved by the FDA, one by Pfizer, one by Moderna. And both these both are um, share a common um, functionality, if you will. I'm not sure how to how to describe it. These are both messenger RNA vaccines. Um, I want to, I would like to explain that process uh, or why how how is it that a, a messenger RNA vaccine works? Um, how how can that possibly cause uh, or induce immunity in our bodies? I want to dispel a couple of the myths that I've heard from a number of acquaintances, friends, family members, and even coworkers. Um, first of all, I want to tell you that messenger RNA uh, is a natural substance in every living creature's body. I mean, I, I'm even talking about in, in plants, this stuff happens in all of life. A messenger RNA. The messenger RNA vaccines take advantage of a process in our bodies, in, in every animal's and every plant's bodies, called transcription. Uh, transcription is where uh, the ribosome within, the, within a living cell takes in a messenger RNA sequence and translates it. Um, shit, I I wish I could rewind this. I can't remember if I said transcription or translation. So mRNA is translated by the ribosome into a protein. Okay, uh, transcription. So let's go back. Let's let's. I'm sorry if I've confused people already. We're going to go way back in the time machine to our basic biology class and talk about transcription and translation, and the expression of genes, okay? Because that's what we're talking about here. Um, Transcription is where our uh, double helix DNA uh, divides in in two at a certain gene. And the process of transcription uh, is mediated by a protein called RNA transferase, I believe. And uh, these nucleic acids, um, I've long since forgotten their names, but I think they're abbreviated A, T, G, and C. Um, they, they pair up with the, uh, with the corresponding amino acids on the one branch of DNA, and they form what's called messenger RNA. So what you have is a copy of a gene, basically. <clears throat> except it's like the reverse copy because it's the the mirror image of um, the nucleic acids uh, that that come together to form this strand of messenger RNA. That messenger RNA then goes to the ribosome in the cell and undergoes a process called translation that's translated into a protein. Okay? Now, in the... Uh, in normal biology, that that this process happens all day, every day. Uh, this is how we form all the proteins necessary for life. This is how cells grow. This is how cells replicate. Um, 
what in the case of the messenger RNA vaccine, we're simply taking this messenger RNA uh, from an exogenous source. It is becoming incorporated into um, muscle cells, presumably, at the injection site. And those muscle cells, uh, in turn, will translate this messenger RNA into a spike protein, which is a component part of the coronavirus. That spike protein uh, should be recognized by our bodies as a foreign substance and a, uh, an immune response should be mounted to it, resulting in the formation of antibodies. And what we hope is some, uh, who knows, maybe short-term immunity, long-term immunity. Uh, the goal would be permanent immunity. Uh, to eradicate uh, this pathogen. Who knows? I think that's what's up in the air is how long will we have immunity. But that's the nuts and bolts of the mRNA vaccine. There, So the first myth I want to dispel is I've heard people say that this somehow alters our DNA, alters our genes. That is 1 million percent false. You, uh, you could... Just as just as much say that the food we eat alters our DNA, um, because of because guess what the food we eat, uh, anything that we ingest, whether it be injectable or uh, by mouth or if we inhale solid particles, um, you're gonna you're gonna be ingesting messenger RNA that's gonna be translated into proteins. What happens to the messenger RNA? It's not incorporated into our DNA. It's not incorporated into our genetic material. The messenger RNA, after it's translated into the coded for protein, the messenger RNA is simply metabolized into its constituent amino acids. And the those amino acids can go on uh, to form other products in the body. Okay. Um, the second myth that I've heard with the uh, messenger RNA virus uh, or uh, messenger RNA based vaccine is that the government's going to be injecting us with uh, some kind of tracer molecule or some kind of tracking chip or, or even I've even heard some really oddball uh, theories that says we're getting injected with some kind of radio frequency emitting uh, chip that that can track us all over the world. Um, I'm here to tell you that uh, that that's just not possible in the injectate that they're putting in the needle and or in the syringe. Okay, um, we've seen a lot of examples out there of certain corporations implanting um, microchips into their employees voluntarily so that they can get through certain access points. You know, it's just like carrying a badge around with your key. Um, but this, you know, having this implanted chip makes it so that, you know, if you forgot your badge or your key or whatever, like hey, you can just stick your hand out, you'll get in the door. If you compare uh, the size of those implanted microchips to the size of the injectate, 
and I'm talking about the volume contained in the syringe for this, uh, those implanted microchips are larger than the inject tape that you're getting in your arm for the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, second of all, you have to imagine how how can these very teeny tiny particles um, drive enough energy or have enough energy stored in them to emit any sort of a signal to anyone? They just can't. The... the the technology doesn't exist. This is a pipe dream. This is something derived from um, probably a number of science fiction uh, stories, texts, whatever. We just can't inject nanoparticles into people that do something such as track them all over the planet or track their purchasing habits or track their sleep habits or you know where, what they're doing any given day. It, it just... The technology isn't there. Um, no. I mean, that's all I have to say about that. Is third, the third myth I want to dispel is that um, this vaccine was rushed to market. And I'm, I'm going to first confirm that statement and say, well, hell yes, it was rushed to market. It was brought to market in record time. No... I don't think any pharmaceutical has been uh, FDA approved this quickly. <laughs> However, the product went through all the proper channels. It went through all the uh, clinical trials necessary. The clinical trials had power, buddy. I believe this uh, Pfizer vaccine had around 45,000, 50,000 participants, um, which is power given the short length of time. And, if you want to criticize it for being put through so quickly, you have to realize that this is an emergency process and it did go through all the proper uh, research channels and approval processes. It simply got bumped to the front of the line. There were no other projects ahead of it. That's how it got out so quickly. That's how we've seen it in less than a year. There were no, no steps in the process were skipped. And if you look at the um, the data from the clinical trials, it's amazing. The thing's safe. Um, not a lot of serious adverse events happening. So uh, I think the thing's safe. Uh, and I, I believe uh, when I read the, uh, the press release and all the data from Pfizer that um, there's a measurable immune response. Okay, that all we... What we don't know is anything long-term. So we don't know if there's long-term side effects. We don't know if there's long-term immunity. We don't know even if the the immunity that we develop right now is clinically significant. Okay? But I'm going to tell you what. I So I had the vaccine. Uh, I, I was somehow considered to be in the very top tier of vaccine recipients. Um, I think just given my profession and given my exposure to um, suspected uh, infected COVID patients or even known infected COVID patients, and there's this idea that I may, not that I may get infected personally, that but that I may pass that infection on to other critically ill or other uh, immune compromised patients. So 
I think that um, I was one of the, I was considered to be a, um, not necessarily a first responder, but a healthcare provider that deals with at-risk patients. So I got the vaccine um, nine days ago now. So it was Wednesday the 16th, I believe. And um, here I am, nine days later, I'm fine. I had some injection site pain. That was it. Um, You know, I might have, actually, in hindsight, I might have had a bit of, uh, I might have felt a little lethargic the next morning. I mean, I had had some trouble getting out of bed. (laughs) I hit the snooze, I think, four times, which is two times more than I usually do. But I still got to work on time. I was still functional. But the point is, and this is, of course, anecdotal because this is just personal experience. Um, I feel fine. I did not have any kind of viral syndrome. Um, it didn't kill me. I haven't mutated. I haven't grown another eye in the center of my forehead. I mean, I'm fine. And and we've just seen this repeated now over and over and over again on social media. People are uh, very proudly, I would mention, posting the fact that they got uh, vaccinated. And I actually applaud that. I I see a lot of criticism going around uh, saying that people are, you know, ringing their own bells and, you know, gosh, m- maybe the vaccine's not going to be effective unless you make a social media post about it. Fuck that. I, what this social media posting is all about, I believe, and the reason why I posted on social media is that um, as a healthcare provider, I want I want my non medical friends, non medical family to realize that I have um, a great measure of faith in the scientific process, a great measure of faith in the uh, development of viruses uh, of uh, vaccines. That is the science of virology. Um, I fully believe in the, 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 the process of clinical trials and the, the vetting process for drugs. And I trust the, the medicines that I take on a day-to-day basis. I trust the vaccines that I take annually. I mean, hell, I have to take the, uh, the flu vaccine annually I've had other vaccines uh, in recent memory. I've I've gone in for the DTaP um, because I wasn't up to date prior to the birth of my twins. Um, I can remember years and years ago going in for a, a DTaP or maybe even just a tetanus. I can't remember when I stepped on a nail working on some decking. Um, you know, these are things I just don't think twice about. I will admit that I did think twice about this coronavirus vaccine, but after second thought, I took it. I think it's safe. It it appears to be effective. And um, I honestly want to lead by example. I can't be talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um, I can't tell people on one hand that this is our greatest hope or, you know, this is a great step forward in the um, treatment slash prevention slash eradication of this disease and then not take it myself, right? I've got to be fully, I have to be all in on this and, uh, and I am, um, and I'll be, 
I'll be going for my second injection um, in another, what, less than two weeks. Um, I need to schedule that appointment, by the way. Yeah, so I, I'm taken aback by all the criticism of this vaccine because if I think back to, I don't know, I think it was early summer, late spring of this year, uh, I feel like people, you know, the populace and, and certainly the pundits were begging for a vaccine. I mean, I just remember hearing statements like, oh, if we only had a vaccine. And you heard that played over and over again on every news outlet, you know, and people, and I believe that people at home actually thought that too, if, if we only had a vaccine. Well, guess what? We've got a vaccine. We've got two vaccines at this point. And there are critics and naysayers about it. Um, and I believe that uh, fake news is being generated surrounding these vaccines. Um, I just wish that people would take a serious look at this. Uh, like I said, at the, out, at the outset of this discussion, vaccination is a personal choice. I don't think it should be forced on anyone, but I want people to go into this educated. I want you to know that uh, the medical community is behind this. Um, it's safe. We believe it's effective. Um, and I think all of us agree that this is, this is probably one of, if not the best way to get rid of this thing. So take all that into account. Certainly talk to your, um, providers about this thing. I I think that most of us are pretty well educated about it at this point. Um, but I seriously consider getting the vaccine. And so that's all I'll say about that. Um, the, I don't know, the next topic of discussion is, and this is going to be very brief. Um, and I'm, you know, given my small audience, I don't even know if this will reach the intended recipients. However, um, I, there's a lot of fatigue on my part, and I'm sure on all of medicine's part when it comes to the uh, social media out there, um, non-medical people presenting themselves as if they're medical trained or presenting themselves as if they have the knowledge of a physician um, and advising people to do things that physicians do not advise people to do. And and this is in specific uh, in relation to the coronavirus pandemic. Um, I've heard this referred to as, uh, you know, the, the Facebook school of medicine or, um, you know, the Facebook PhD program, whatever. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, I think that, that is a great way to describe it. There's people who, um, through Facebook or through Instagram or through Google or whatever medium online, uh, have looked at enough articles that they consider themselves expert. Um, I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works. And if you see someone 
who you know is not a physician, not medically trained, posting information and making recommendations to people, um, that's something that you need to uh, you need to run by your doctor, or you need to fact check it, or I mean, you just need to to to, to look at it really hard and and just consider the sources. Um, like I've seen people who are uh, financial advisors, for example, recommending that um, the vaccine is useless. The vaccine is unnecessary. Uh, I've seen people who are um, I don't I mean I don't even know what to call some of these people uh, just like um, I don't know I think I feel like I've seen realtors for example and I and I pray I don't offend all of the financial advisors on the planet or all the realtors out there. Uh, but I've seen them post that their opinion as if it is fact um, that we should not have any sort of quarantine or any sort of social distancing or any sort of mask wearing. Um, now I'm going to admit to you, I'm on the fence when it comes to a lot of these things. Like uh, I don't, I certainly don't agree that shutting down all kinds of businesses is good. I think in those instances, uh, it's probably a case of the the cure is worse than the disease. But I just think you have to consider the sources on, on your social media or on your internet sources. Consider the sources. Run this stuff by your doctor. Be smart. Okay. And that's all I'll say about that. Um, I do want to move on to um, some other areas of interest. You know, so what What else have I been doing since the last podcast? Well, um, whenever I can, I watch television. Uh, unfortunately, the TV watching doesn't happen until after uh, – these twin babies are in bed at night, so it may not happen till about 10 o'clock or so. But um, I've been watching uh, a number of series that I would like to share with people. Um, the first one is uh, It's Over With. Uh, it was a limited series on uh, HBO called The Undoing. And uh, this was... Uh, kind of like a murder mystery uh, thriller, if you will, um, starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Hugh Grant uh, and some others. I think Donald Sutherland was in it. I think his role was pretty magnificent. And um, that guy's like 80-some years old, which is awesome, and he's still acting. Um, but I, I found that to be absolutely... Uh, amazing that that limited series it sucked me in from the first episode and i couldn't wait week to week to see the next episode and you know right when you thought that there was going to be some surprise ending i think that's what kept me interested was you you thought you know from one episode to the next you thought you knew exactly what direction this thing was going and then towards the very end you thought oh wait a second 
there there's going to be a plot twist. But then there wasn't all of a sudden. I, and it, it was just, it was really interesting. So, um, I would highly recommend that one. Uh, there was, um, well, uh, very recently another, um, the new season of the expanse started, uh, that's on Amazon, I believe. Um, the expanse is a, uh, science fiction, um, like a space opera, I think is the most accurate way to explain that, uh, taking place many, 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 many years in the future where, uh, mankind has figured out space travel and we've been able to colonize Mars. Um, and then, uh, industry has arisen out, uh, in outer space surrounding space travel. And by that, I mean, um, you know, the procurement of raw materials and water and things like that, uh, is happening out in outer space. Uh, and, and what you have developed is three separate factions. Uh, there's the people who still live on earth referred to as the earthers. Uh, there's the people who, uh, immigrated or who were born on Mars. And then, uh, then you have all these people who live, um, on neither planet who are just out there working uh, to obtain rare metals and water and whatnot uh, to propagate space travel and colonization. And uh, they're affectionately referred to as the Belters because they started out life in the asteroid belt. Um, But that's a very interesting series. I would compare it to um, the series Firefly. Um, which, oh my gosh, that was way too short-lived. Firefly was, I wish it would come back, but, uh, no, there's some, some, the characters, uh, character development in the, the expanse is amazing. Um, I feel like it has to be small budget because it's, it's done by Amazon. Um, but you know, the set, the sets they put together, the special effects, you know, all this stuff happening out in space with the apparent weightlessness, um, you know, all these, uh, spaceships and everything they have. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, I love it. Uh, what else? Um, gosh, I should have taken notes here. Uh, there's one called, Oh crap! What was that one on HBO with Jude Law? The third day, I think. Um, that was a limited series, and man, that was crazy different. Um, that's all I can say about that. Crazy different. Uh, it it revolves around a, a a very tiny island off the coast of England somewhere that uh is only accessible during low tide you know when the tide rises the road is covered and no one can get to it and there's some uh, old folklore uh, surrounding the initial settlers of that island and some uh cultish practices um check out that one um i would check out uh another new another new series on um 
I believe this one is on Showtime. It's called Your Honor. Uh, this Your Honor stars Brian Cranston, uh, who I think has risen to a lot of people's uh, risen onto a, a lot of people's radar from the Breaking Bad series. I think I knew him previously from uh, Malcolm in the Middle, but I certainly uh, came to respect. Uh, him as a as an actor uh, for his work on the Breaking Bad series, but anyways, this uh, series on Showtime called Your Honor stars Brian Cranston, and he is um, I'm not sure if it's a federal judge or a state judge um, in the city of New Orleans, and uh, his he's widowed. I think that's relevant to the story. And his son becomes entangled in um, a hit-and-run motor vehicle accident in uh, in which the victim dies. Um, and not to spoil this too much, the, that victim happens to be the child of, one, of some local crime boss. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. It's, it's intense, very, very intense. Um, there's a lot of ethical dilemma going on in that, you know, um, especially with this guy being a, a judge, you know, so he's facing, uh, his son is facing legal action, uh, imprisonment probably. And, um, he's trying his best to protect his son, which that's all that any parent can do, Right regardless of their uh, occupation or their line of work. Um, those are the shows right off the top of my head. Um, no, I take that back. I'm also following uh, this one called His Dark Materials. That's an HBO. Uh, it's in second season now. I think this was based on a uh, series of books by the same name. Uh, it's fantasy, fantasy-based. Um, and the premise is there are multiple parallel worlds. And someone in one of the worlds um, figures out a way to travel between them. And I think that's uh, that's probably enough of a premise to hook a lot of people, uh, especially if you're a fan of uh, fantasy works you might even call this science fiction to some degree but i think it's largely fantasy because there's concept of magic and witches and whatnot um trying to think gosh there's this one that played on fridays but it's over with shit i i definitely should have taken notes I guess that's all I'll say about uh, TV shows for now. Um, I don't know. What else have I been getting into? Um, I've worked my nuts off since the last podcast. Um, but I've been trying to get this Borderlands Woodworks off the ground. Uh, I've, I've purchased and obtained some Woodworking tools, I found a source of, um, a local source of lumber, hardwood lumber. I've been out and bought um, 
I mean, that, this place has whatever I want, but I'm I'm working mostly with maple, uh, walnut, cherry, oak, uh, and then you know some pieces of exotic hardwoods. Um, but I've turned out some really cool Christmas gifts so far. I've, I've made a lot of cutting boards. Uh, made a couple of pizza peels that I think were really cool. They turned out way better than I thought they would. I've uh, worked on some floating shelving uh, for a couple of the um, women in our lives. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm learning how to operate some pretty cool um, woodworking tools, uh, learning some cool techniques, um, learning a lot about hardwoods, um, and... Um, putting some stuff together. This is, this is a good way to spend my free time. I think what little of it I have. And, and certainly while it's not super nice outside, um, I don't know this, this might draw to a conclusion. This episode I've talked for 45 minutes. I didn't even realize that I'll also put a plug in for, um, my brother, Sam's podcast. His is called the rift enlightenment from the divide is the uh, byline for his. Uh, He started out uh, interview format and he got kind of politically aligned. And I think he's uh, taking a step back from that and he's doing some monologue stuff, some devotional stuff uh, is what it seems like. And I think it's still a great podcast. I would recommend that to anyone. I'm still going to stick to my guns. I hope to do interview format. Um, I would prefer to avoid the um, political discussions, although the things I've talked about today are surrounded in a lot of politics. Uh, But I still want to do interview format. If anyone out there wants to come in, um, contact me uh, in the comments section on Podbean. Um, Love to have you anytime. And, um, you know, those people that have already uh, committed to interviewing, I just... We we have to work on um, time and uh, method of contact. You know, you can come in studio or you can call in either one. Um, but yeah, we I've just got to keep this ball rolling and uh, keep roll, putting out some product for people. I think uh, you know we had gathered some steam early on. I got a lot of feedback from coworkers and acquaintances and friends and. Uh, I feel like I've kind of dropped the ball of late, but um, I'm going to try and get us back on track here, okay? So thanks for tuning in. I hope that everyone had a great holiday. Um, and until next time, this has been Denrock, Borderlands Podcast, Enlightenment from the Fringe. Take the joy and dance.